Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 208 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we'll be discussing Alistair Overeem's failed drug test. KSI versus Dylan Dennis, James Krause's banishment from cornering, and we'll be looking at UFC Vegas 65 for all the big storylines that happen. But first, I got to start off today with a question. Victor, Joe Rogan says that Alex Pereira, being as big as he is and cutting down to 185, is, and I quote, sanctioned cheating. Do you agree with that? Uh, you know what? I've listened to a lot of Joe Rogan over the years. I, I was at a point at one, like I had listened from like episode one for years and rarely ever missed an episode. I've heard him express stuff like this in the past. And this is part of why I don't listen to him anymore. I guess I get what he's going for. But I mean, yeah, he's kind of I don't want to say he's right. I, I, I see the kernel of truth of guys being super huge and then cutting down and, you know, having that 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 being a size bully. Right. Like the, mm-hmm. we just mentioned Anthony Johnson, who passed away last week. Right. He was considered to be a size bully. Um you know, there, there's, there, there have been countless other people that have had these these crazy weight cuts and they've maintained that for that purpose. So, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a, kind of a weird thing to say, seeing as he doesn't seem to have any problems cutting the weight and he seems to do it in a, a measured and responsible way. So some dudes are just big, bro. That's what it is. I think I agree with you. He is a size bully to an extent, but there's so many of them. For a long time, a lot of people considered John Jones to be a size bully. Yeah. He was pretty much bigger than everyone. Some people even say that Israel Adesanya is a size bully. And mm. now he's getting bullied around by an even bigger guy. I don't <laughs> think I mind it so much outside of the obvious problem with, you know, the huge weight cut. It's not healthy. But until rules are changed, it's not sanctioned cheating. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's legit. It's yeah. competition, and it's not cheating. No, so, but I mean, it, it's the spirit of the thing. I, I guess do. I see what he said. This is what happens yeah. when you have to, uh, you know, like we were talking about Faraz Zahabi just having that sort of uh, stream of consciousness and just saying stuff because you got to pad out and, and fill out time. This is probably one of those situations, too. I don't know. I have to point something out because one of our listeners got very upset about the Faraz Zahabi conversation last week and was upset that we actually pointed out that he and his team were also the subject of similar speculation. We weren't saying that GSP was doping or anything like that. We were saying that Faraz should close his mouth Because he himself was the subject of similar speculation. He shouldn't be speculating when he was so upset at the people that speculated that GSP was doping. It was not us pointing at GSP and saying, well, he had gynecomastia, so maybe he was was doping too. No, we were saying that 
as the result of similar speculation, yeah, he should but, shut his mouth. It's the- like when it, this is like when we're talking about the James Krause thing. We're just saying it's not a good look. It's not the same as saying, oh, you know, his guys are also roiding. Like it's not the same thing. It's not. I don't have. We go through such pains to explain things and to stretch things out in manners of like we're trying to. I, we really go out of our way to make sure that what we are saying is done is 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 interpreted in as proper a manner possible, precisely to avoid shit like this. But you know, sometimes it's going to happen regardless. And I mean, I guess you can't really change the nature of that. But come on, man, come on. <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump into looking back at UFC Vegas sixty five, and I guess the most important story from UFC Vegas 65 is that the main event was pulled because Derek Lewis had some sort of stomach issue that actually put him in the hospital briefly. Now he was released and cleared, not cleared to fight as so many people out there have wrongly interpreted. They cleared him to leave the hospital. He was actually trying to fight. From what I understand, he was willing to leave the hospital and still go get in the cage. The clock was ticking down to the final moments when they had to make a decision. So mid-card, they called off the fight. And I think it was the right thing to do. Do you really want to get a Derek Lewis in there that's probably been puking his guts up the night before and all day of? I don't. So I didn't really understand why so many people were out there saying that Lewis was maybe dodging this fight or whatever. That wasn't the case at all. Y'all are some silly man. The guy, wait, the guy who fought, the guy who fought Francis Ngannou mm-hmm. and Mark Hunt is ducking Sergey Spivak. Is am I interpreting this in in, in a correct manner? Yes, sir. Uh, it's been a long week, man. I and it's only Monday. <laughs> Like what? What in the fuck? What are we doing when people come up with stuff like this? I I, I get wanting to put on your tinfoil hat for funsies. This is not the way, Baba. Not like this. Not at all. Mm-mm. So, Kennedy and Chukwu and Iwan Kutalaba became the main event, and they put on a good fight for the minute. I mean, for the round. Round and a half that it lasted, round and three quarters. Uh, Iwan Kutalaba definitely had the better round one. But my pet peeve, as I'm sure it's a lot of you, your pet peeve, is to see a guy winning on the feet so early in the fight, too, and just inexplicably go for an ill-timed takedown when you're winning on the freaking feet. Why? If he had just kept it up top, he might have even gotten him out of there. But the first minute of the fight, he is lighting Kennedy up. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if his arms crapped out on him, if he had a really early moment of losing all his gas, of blowing his wad, whatever. But he just starts going for the takedowns, and that worked for a minute or two. But come on. He wants... Fight IQ is just non-existent. Man, it's so disappointing. <clears throat> Victor. I am curious to know, because I didn't I didn't watch this with any audio, and I doubt that I would have understood his quarter anyway. Uh, I think that 
maybe what was going on, and this is just me trying to be like trying to look for the best possible outcome here or the best possible layout. Uh, maybe his team, maybe the game plan was to take Kennedy down to control on the ground, which not a bad game plan as he one was able to control for a good chunk of that fight and do some damage. Um, it would have been better because he would have had to contend less with the range and with the power standing. He would have had, um, you know, he, he would have had the, the control and just the ability to uh, rack up some more uh, favorable scorecards in the eyes of the judges had he done that and maintain that pressure and maybe not gas himself out quite as much. And if he were to exert himself to that degree, it wouldn't be that much of a penalty because he'd still be in top position. I want to think that that's what they were going for. And, well, I mean, you know... It, it, I guess the only thing that would really that gives me more that's I feel gives that argument more validity is look at what happened when they got back up. It wasn't great. <laughs> so uh, big ups to Kennedy. I I said before and I'll say it again. I hate being right because when I'm right, it's because it's usually for the worst reasons. Um, Ewan got erased. I don't think he's ever going to be someone that's discussed as a potential top 10 guy ever again after this. And uh, yeah, I called it, man. Kennedy fights ugly, but he's more consistent. And that's kind of what he did. He did. He got the job done. And he noted that he fights ugly and that he has a lot of work to do and that he's learning as he goes. Um, I like that he said, you know, I don't feel like I need to start some blood feud or anything like that. That's just not me. I understand that. I understand that that might hold you back a little bit, but if you keep putting on performances like this, I think that it's going to get a really neat little grassroots following for him. And who knows, maybe we'll see him contending at some point because he's got a lot of physical gifts. We're going to get to the co-main event, Chase Sherman and Waldo Cortez Acosta taking him out. Poor, poor Chase Sherman. You know, it was a unanimous decision. He didn't actually, quote, take him out. But he all but took him out because Chase Sherman had a good first round. And after that, my God, just downhill. My Lord, his gas tank is just non-existent. Wow. And he had such a good first round, too. I feel kind of bad for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I I felt bad too because going in, if you remember again, I predicted that this was kind of what was going to happen. Chase was going to use his physicality and use some of his uh, his 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 you know his, his his physical ability, right? His speed and his movement, but he's sloppy and he's not as coordinated and he doesn't have the kind of accuracy and he ran out of answers quick and that's what led to him being outstruck by such wide margins. To a level that, I mean, I don't even know why he thought he was going to win when they were calling out the decision. I'm just looking at the screen like, why is he doing this right now? Like, what Hail Mary? Do you remember when Adesanya fought Vittori? And he was making fun of Vittori because he's, he's, he, he crossed his fingers like, oh, this guy's going, please, please give me the decision. He's not going to get it. That's kind of how, like, this would have been a more appropriate moment for that. Obviously, Waldo's not the guy to do it and rub it in his face. But that was just so, I I don't know, man. I, I I'd like to think that in some way, maybe Chase gets a thank you, stick around thing because that was kind of exciting, but not, not really for the best reasons when you're that on that side of such a sustained ass whooping. Yeah, 
I kind of think he gets his walking papers yet again, and he'll probably go back to bare knuckle or something like that. I want to see the dude get paid because I don't want to see him taking more damage like this anymore, man. That shit is not fucking fun. No, not at all. Then we get to Muslim Salikov, old man Sally, taking out Andre Filo. And Andre Filo just was not meant for the UFC, I don't think. He's had such a rough run, and I just think that he will do better on the regionals. Needs to, I don't know, he might just be stuck. This might be his ceiling because he's had 22 fights. He should have the experience, but it doesn't appear that way. I mean, Salikov tuned him up. <laughs> my goodness. The, the, the kicks that were landing, my God. The impact, insane. Victor, what'd you think? I was impressed. I was happy to see Selikov recover so well after being wiped out by Jangle Leg earlier in the year in what was a very, very fun fight. But Selikov seems incapable of having bad fights on a routine basis. And I just kind of felt bad for Fiala because, again, here's another guy who I had seen fight elsewhere and coming up and yeah, right. He's 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 got a good he's got a good support system and a cool team and, and you know he's he's got a lot of the right things and now he's just reduced to being mostly a puncher that stuffs takedowns. And when you're in there with a guy who has layers of different striking mechanics and sequences and ways to set up combinations and you can't get your counters off, well then you're not left with much, are you? You know, you're you're a toothless man in a corn cob beating contest. I don't know really where you think this is gonna go. And that's what we saw, man. I, I Another situation where I just felt bad for the guy losing because he's probably getting his walking papers too. And I don't know what – I'm sure that he could go maybe not back to Portugal, but I'm pretty sure he can go to any other organization elsewhere and put on some pretty fun performances and hopefully pull down a pretty decent paycheck. But this, this ain't it, man. He, he's, he needs to – I don't know what it is that needs to change for him and his uh, particular environment, but it's got to be something. So I got to – I got to set you straight on something. It's driving me nuts. I hate it so much. Okay. <laughs> you keep calling Jing Liang Jangle Leg. It was, yes. It's not Jangle Leg. I looked it up in IMDb and on Wiki. Bernie Mac's character in life was Jangle Lang. It okay. says right here, Jangle Lang. When I saw the movie, the subtitles had them as such and that's what i've been going with for years i i just i don't know that i can get that out of my system you, i at this have point. to i have to drill it into you jangling mm. jangling and it even sounds like his name a little bit jingliang jangling yeah, i see? guess see i think you just want like the jangle leg because it's like dancing it could Jingle be. I don't know. Maybe that's because that's how he leaves people after he, you know, <laughs> hits them that hard, right? They got their leg jangling and doing all this. This is the serious conversation that people tune in for. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, very deep philosophical discussion. This one. Hey, if you haven't seen the movie Life, what the fuck are you doing? As soon as you're done listening to this, please go watch that movie. It's hilarious. And watch anything with Bernie Mac in it because Bernie Mac is king. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to get to my main event, and that was Jack Della Maddalena just tuning up Danny Roberts. Such an exciting three minutes and 24 seconds. Jesus Christ. Jack Della Maddalena, I understand why you were so mad they made him go through the Contender Series, mm -hmm. because the dude's boxing is elite. Elite, and he hits like a hammer. 
I mean, the dude is swinging bricks. For real. I love this guy so much. I want to see him fight anyone in the top. As a matter of fact, it's just like I tweeted. Line up 15 through 1 and let him start at 15 and just work his way up. I love this guy. He's going to be like the Grim Reaper meme. He's going door to door. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so – I'm glad that you see why this was so upsetting because it seems almost in some way – not so much like a waste. I mean, it's fine if you keep him doing what he's doing now, right? Have him just fight mid-level guys and show what he can do best and keep having that uh, adding to his experience. Not that he needs too much of it because he's already got some of these cats are just like they're they're ready-made. You know what I mean? This dude is straight out the package, ready to go. This guy could easily be slingshotted into the top 10. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, just, I don't think they should. I don't think it's what's best for him or even what's best for the division for that matter. But I, I, I love seeing the guy do work. And I'm, I'm so, so happy that even if it was on a card like this one that was small and probably didn't do so great in the ratings or streams, I'm glad that at least that gets put out there and people are like, okay, people are starting to take notice because if it happens under the UFC, people are more likely to pay a little bit of attention. And now his name's ringing a little harder. And that that's good to see. I want I want that to, for people to like just focus. Like this is a guy who's a talent that's worth paying attention to because he's that damn good, and he might just be the next big thing. All right. So where you are going to talk about Zalgus Zumagulov because I feel like he got robbed. Not really robbed because I don't like to use that term. But I did not agree with the decision. I didn't think Charles Johnson won that fight. I thought Zalgus Zumagulov did. Poor guy. He seems to be getting better from fight to fight. He really does. He looks better every time out. But he strikes me as someone that doesn't like to get hit. But once he gets in the swing of things, he's in there. He's in it to win it. And I feel like he won this fight with Charles Johnson. And by the way, I hate Johnson's hair. Oh, my God. It wasn't just me. Okay. I hated it so much. But anyways... When we were talking about Chase Sherman and we were hoping that maybe he gets a, hey, you did good for us, stick around for one more fight. Hope they do the same with Zalgas and Magulov because this this guy, man, I like him. I can't help it. Yeah, I felt so bad watching this fight, too. All these fouls and everything. And at one point, even even Magulov was like, oh, come on, dude. Like, what, what are we doing? What is this? And that's a sad way to go out. You know, I, I kind of, I wanted better for him, but... That's the fight game, man. I hate be, I hate saying it often, but this is the cold reality of what we deal with. And it, we ended up with the, the, the last memory that we're going to have of this guy in a cage is him having a horribly um, – just, just a, a, a performance that was marred by so many weird and bad fouls. Mm. And then on top of that, it wasn't even a, an exciting fight. It wasn't a particularly compelling one, not even from a technical perspective. It was just like that. It was just there. So, yeah. In stark contrast, Kennedy and Jukwu not taking the, the, the little breather when he got fouled was probably the smartest thing he did in that fight because he did not let Iwan Kutalaba catch his breath. He was like, no, let's keep going. And that, I, I can appreciate that. I know some people, they get hit in the nuts and it's, it's a wrap. But in this in this case, yeah. he was like, you know what? I'm a I'm a gut through this. I'm a gut through this nut shot. I yeah, I think nut. not all nut shots are created equal either. 
I think it's probably that. He probably got like a glancing, like, oh, you know what? That's not that bad, you know. But trust me, sometimes some of those glancing ones will be the ones that'll be like, oh, you know, like you worry, you know, your mother's watching at home going, my grandkids, you know, like that's just not, there's sometimes, my friend, there is, there is, there's a spectrum of the kind of pain that can be generated from that kind of impact. And uh, I'm just glad that it was on the low end in that case and that he can keep on going. All righty. Jennifer Maya looked pretty good in there against Marina Moros. And what more can you say? She outworked her. She outstruck her. She just was better in all avenues. And that's that. Victor, mm. did you have any outstanding thoughts on this fight? Just that one image that's out there, the still image of the front kick to the face that mm. Maya landed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Listen, you ever if you've ever had to eat one of those, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then we had a super boring fight with Miles Johns and Vince Morales, but it was the, the comments and the after fight that mattered. And that was Miles Johns saying that his coach had been banned from cornering him. And we will be discussing that later. But uh, yeah, that that was the only exciting part of that fight was his post-fight speech. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I got nothing to add to that. I man. mean, it was a awful fight. It really was. It, it really was, so was an awful fight. Yeah. Oh, talk about point fighting that's that's what happened there mm. uh ricky tercios and kevin natividad had a very fun fight though i enjoyed all the scrambling in this one it was yeah. good action packed back and forth split decision i didn't i didn't disagree with it at all i just thought it was a great fight yeah those back and forth those wily scrambly <laughs> fights not the most technical not the most um you know, uh, the, the kind that you want to have a, a full dissection on. But, hey, shit was fun. Yep. Sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's all you want in a situation like this. These do you, Neither one of these guys is ready to be put up in, in any top position in any division right now. So, you know, if they're going to go out there and have a fun scrap, fine. You know, you're going to get those every now and again. It's whatever. Then we get to Vanessa Demopoulos getting the unanimous decision over Maria Oliveira and then leaping into Michael Bisping's arms. I'm sorry. I think she's cute. I can't help myself. I like her. <laughs> she's adorable and she's so vivacious and bubbly. I like it. I I was just going to say the word adorable is actually the perfect way to put it. Yeah, she's got... Um... She's got a good vibe, man. She's got cool energy. And I, I just don't one thing that I feel is a bit of a problem is her quitting her day job to pursue MMA. I'm like, did you really need to do that? You're probably making more right. as a stripper. I, I But I, listen, she's going to do what she wants to do. She could always go back to that if she wants. And if she just was done with it, then that's also fair. And, you know, you don't want, you don't need to be uh, uh, where you don't want to be. And if you got options and uh, good for her. So, um, yeah, look, this fight wasn't super exciting either, but she showed some growth. She showed a bit of development. Was it the prettiest and most technical? Again, no, it was not. But it was it, – it's you're, when you see somebody showing different wrinkles and you see somebody like, okay, they're learning, good, good. This is, this is a fine thing, and I like the fact that she's also being brought along relatively slowly, giving her the Sage Northcutt beginning of, you know, just have them – Clean out the bottom ranks. Just just go. There's no rush. There's no need, no reason to rush whatsoever. I would offer her a tiny piece of advice. She might want to be careful leaping into the arms of some of these guys. Because <laughs> some of them have bad backs. Some of these guys 
might not be able to hold you up. I hope she's asking ahead of time. Hey, listen, when I win. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. I really do. Yeah. Uh, Brady Highstand uh, beat Fernie Garcia in a, you know, it was a fight. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. It was just there. Um, he he goes to six and two and Fernie Garcia falls to 10 and three. And then we get the opener of all openers. Holy shit. Natalia Silva is on my radar. Teresa mm-hmm. Blado was huge, huge. And the, it did not matter at all to Natalia Silva. That spinning back kick was money. And then just all of the follow-up after. I mean, she is just a beast. I love her. Can't wait to see more of her. The cool thing about that was seeing the composure that Natalia showed and how she didn't go ham right after that impact. She followed up smartly. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like that. That was that was good there too. And I I liked how she was showing um uh when, once she got loose in there, you kind of noticed it. You saw her body language change and how she was moving her arms a little different, like, okay, okay, I know how to make this work now. I can I can land pretty much at will. And she kind of did after that. So good for her. Good for her. And I feel bad for for um for Teresa, but at the same time She's young. She can bounce back from this. And this is yet another one of those matchups where it's like, you know, these two have enough talent. We could probably see them fight again down the line. You never know. All right. So that's going to wrap up our uh, look back, our recap, our rewind of the UFC Vegas 65. And now we're going to jump into the news. And Victor, are you shocked that Alistair Overeem pissed hot? Steffi, let me explain something. Let me explain something to you that you perhaps might not understand. I am a very tired man. You understand? I am just exhausted by life. You cannot you cannot phase me with certain things. And this is one of them. Look, the guy pissed hot. Fine. It's not the first time we've seen something like this happen. I think the question is, should we care? Um, I have not really given it a whole lot of thought but if i were i would just do away with all of the testing and just let them run rampant but because there is testing i have to get in line with that and you know if you're gonna be a cheat you can need you need some punishment until the rules change you're gonna have to face the music and so I'm pretty sure that his win will be overturned because he did beat Badr Hari at Glory Collision 4. And they took this sample the night of the fight. Now, we're waiting on the B sample to come back because, (laughs) you know, of course he is pounding his chest and saying, I did not do this. Mm -hmm. You just wait until the B sample comes back. Oh yeah, yeah, a whole lot of fucking difference that's going to do. Yeah, let's let's (laughs) wait. I mean, just look at who we're talking. God, okay. Who are we addressing? Who are we talking about here? You know what I mean? This is somebody that's he's had the clouds of suspicion. It's like, why do we really need? It's like, fine, fine. We'll wait. We'll wait for the B sample. But uh, I just, just. I mean, just I, look I, at his physique. Okay, the, the dad bod was out the window literally three months after he left the UFC. He was back to ripped. I mean, dude looks like he's chiseled out of marble again. And and the thing is, you can lean out 
in relatively quick time with adjustments to diet and adding more cardio and all that. But like, do you really look at who we're talking about again? Do you really, with that reputation, can you give him the benefit of the doubt? And in that case, should you? I don't believe you should. And I frankly, if this were under other circumstances, maybe, maybe I'd be a little more. I don't know, but like, there's nothing to be mad at. Like, so what? He fought another guy who was over the hill. So is this gonna? Is this gonna? Uh, does the fight against Rico Verhoeven fall apart now? Does does it give him uh, less of a chance to win? Does he have much of a chance to win in a hypothetical fight against Rico? Let him. Rico's probably the first one to be like, "Yo, let him take whatever the hell he wants." A lot of people get on John Jones about hiding under the mat part of the cage that they had set up at, at Jackson MMA. And what's funny is that long before that, Alistair Overeem, he was a notorious camp jumper. And so mm-hmm. he actually went and he trained out at Jackson's for a while. And somebody that was out there alerted me to this a long time ago, and I will keep his name off record but he told me that Alistair also did the same thing, that someone showed up to do uh, a urinalysis and he was the first one to dive underneath the cage. An you know? innovator in many ways. Exactly. Yes. And I trust who told me this. It's another fighter that was out there at the time. So I believe him when he says this. It was Artem Lobov. You can say it. That's fine. <laughs> well, Artem Lobov. <laughs> but in any event, it's not, it's not surprising. And he should expect some repercussions from this. At the very least, he's probably going to get the, the win overturned if that B sample comes back positive, which it inevitably will. So. You know what the funny thing is? You say that, and now I'm sitting here thinking, like, damn, John Jones couldn't even think originally for that. He had to copy some other guy's shit for that, too. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, oh, honey, what are we doing? Exactly. Mm. So, what do we got next? Well, what we have next is a, um, I'm not even sure how to categorize this or how to describe it, but, well, you alluded to this a little earlier. You you mentioned it earlier, and it was in reference to MMA trainer and former fighter James Krause, who was doing just fine coming into this event, as he had his, uh, one of his protégés there, Miles Johns, who was set to fight. But unfortunately... There were some reports that uh, were revealed in which a uh, basically there is an investigation into his gambling activity. And this is what uh, Johns had to say after the fight, just what he had mentioned in the cage when he was uh, addressing this with Michael Basic. My coach last night at the dinner table got pulled and they said the UFC was suspending him so he couldn't be here in my corner. Now, there hasn't been any formal suspension apparently i guess the whole thing is like let's pull him for now or uh, i i'm not quite sure that's still a bit cloudy as to what um what it would really that portends but it turns out that this all stems back to the fight with Derek minner whom we uh, addressed as well previously and it turns out that the um the Nevada State Athletic Commission nor the UFC have had any sort of uh, formal or official suspension on paper. Uh, so it seems like this is one of those things where the UFC decided that the optics were not good and that they had caught wind of uh, possible um, possible legislative bodies looking into this and, and deciding that maybe it was for the best he st- sit this one out. So uh, here was a 
statement here from that here that was released by the UFC, quote, like many professional sports organizations, UFC works with an independent betting integrity service to monitor wagering activity on our events. Our betting integrity partner, Don Best Sports, a leading global supplier of real-time betting data for North American sporting events, will conduct a thorough review of the facts and report its findings. At this time, we, will have, we have no reason to believe either of the athletes involved in the bout or anyone associated with their teams believe, behaved in an unethical or irresponsible manner. Now, this was after the Minner fight. I just want to remind you here, this, as, as a caveat, this is not referring to the Miles John situation. And uh, later on, that's what prompted the UFC to bring the hammer down on fighters gambling on UFC fights. However, there was no mention of anything in reference to uh, – uh, there was there was no references to any past actions or anything like that. A uh, quick abs- excerpt of that statement reads as follows. Athletes should also be aware that in most states, these same prohibitions apply to some or all of relatives living in the same household as an athlete. An athlete's coaches, managers, handlers, athletic trainers, medical professionals, and staff, and any other person with access to non-public information regarding participants in, MMA, in any MMA match. Well... It's right there in black and white, right? Coaches are there. And we had already addressed that James Krause had a – he's got a gambling podcast. He's got his uh, gambling tips that he gives out. He's got that service where I guess the the, the way that I understood it, you give him your login info. He goes on to make make bets on your behalf and he gets a a cut of the earnings if you get any. But uh, yeah, it's really, really – it's one thing for us to be – you know, not a good look. And it's another thing entirely for this to be something that could perhaps be somewhere in the territory of either breaking rules from an internal structure regarding the gambling partner and UFC's relationship and potential legal action. We don't really know if that's what's going to happen yet, but we do need to mention that uh, there will be a commission uh, meeting that will address this situation at the next Nevada state athletic commission. Um, uh, they had already disclosed they'd already addressed the Eli Latifi thing so that's no longer on the docket and we don't really know but uh, the only other thing we should note here apparently the Nevada Commission was asked why Krauss was not allowed to uh, participate and they had no official information they had no comment regarding that so very very odd set of circumstances coming together a uh, very sloppy, I guess, job of trying to keep mum uh, as soon as people start asking questions about it. So I'm really curious here. Steffi, what do you think might be next here? And I know that there's not much to go on, but if you were to fire up your speculation, which I know you have at least two in your basement, uh, wh- where where do you think this goes and how bad could it look for Kraus? Krauss is being made an example of, and I think it's going to get bad for him. I think that they're not going to allow him to corner any of the guys that he actually coaches. I don't think that he's going to be anywhere near the octagon again, honestly, because he's never actually officially retired. He's just said, I don't see myself coming back. And he's left it at that, but I doubt he'll ever get to come back and compete again if he even wanted to. But this is going to take a huge chunk out out of his income because he's sunk a lot of his time and energy into this betting thing. And now this has given him a really bad look. I don't know if people are are staying on with him as far as following his betting advice or whatever, but boy, how to really damage your legacy in in just a matter of a 
couple of short months. I mean, this guy was on track to, to being uh, nominated for coach of the year and doing this, that, and the other. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty damn good coach. He should still get it, too. <laughs> he should still get the nomination. Um, but I doubt that they will allow that. Yep, I also doubt that they'll allow that. I agree. I, you know, as much as people like to think that the, those awards are, are meritocratous, they're not. Nope. So, I mean, I don't know. I just think that James really screwed up. Yeah, and it's probably not even through any fault of his own because what we were talking about when we opened the conversation today about optics, right, about how it's not a good look. I keep saying that because I want to make sure that it's very, very clear. It's not a good look. He very well might not have bet on that fight that Minner was in. Sure. I but it's but I'm pretty sure he knew that Minner was not in 100% condition in that fight. And looking at the way that Minner fought, uh, you know, you can't blame people for looking at you sideways when this sort of thing happens. So uh, through potentially no fault of his own, even if he didn't do anything wrong, even if he didn't bet on that particular fight. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, it's it's not cute, man. It's, it's a whole it's just a big old unnecessary mess. It sure is. Now, we are going to move on to some. Some funny news. I I had to put this in because Dylan Dennis gets into more <laughs> fights on the outside than he actually does in a cage or a ring. And it never looks good for him. It's never pretty. And he was outside um, the event that happened on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. No, actually, it happened on Friday. Excuse me. It happened on Friday. And what happened was... Dylan Dennis is standing there face to face with KSI and they're talking about, we should do this. We should do this. And then all of a sudden Dylan just takes a little, you could tell it wasn't a full on cock his fist load up and punch. It was just a little eh, nick them on the chin. Like they, they were good buddies and shit only they're not good buddies. So of course a little scuffle ensued. And then later that same weekend, <laughs> Another fight breaks out, this time in an incident with Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor. And he's talking shit, and Taylor clocked him so hard, he it blasted him back and into this the back of this truck. And you can see him try to shake it off. It clearly stunned him, especially the way he staggers back. If that truck hadn't been there, he would have probably lost his footing and fallen. But the truck basically held him up. So, of course, they they capitalize on all the buzz around this. And they book a fight between KSI and Dylan Dennis. And it's supposed to happen January 14th at Wembley Arena in London. And it will be a pay-per-view that will stream live on DAZN. So this isn't even a fight TV thing. This is legit. It's happening. Dazone is all over this. Misfits is all over it. So I guess this is going to be co-promoted with Misfits and Dazone. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> I mean, God, how is Dylan Dennis gone from being the butt of everybody's jokes to having a fight like this? What the fuck? Okay, I think you're missing a very important fundamental problem here. He goes from being the butt of everybody's jokes to still being the butt of everybody's jokes in a fight. I, what are we doing? What are we doing? This man continues to rack up L's. What's been my biggest grip about this man? Every time he comes up in conversation when we're doing one of these podcasts, 
It's that he calls out everybody under the sun except for people that are either in his division or under the same umbrella of the organization that he's contractually obligated to fight for. We addressed this a couple of months ago. We talked about or maybe it wasn't even that. It might have been even just a few weeks ago where Scott Coker was like, I don't know, man. He lights up my phone and then some, then he just goes silent. Like He just goes dark. I don't know. I, I want to book him for a fight, but don't look like you want to fight. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. And he left it at that. This is a guy who hasn't fought in, what, over two years now at this point? What is he going to do? Is he? I guess now, if they announced it, that he is contractually able to take the boxing match despite being a Bellator fighter. But he's got another Bellator fighter right there. Anthony Taylor got in his face and said, "I'm an MMA fighter too. I'm an MMA fighter too." And I think, frankly, maybe that's the fight to make for him to come back to MMA because, really, like, what is this? What is this? I haven't seen a KSI fight probably since that one Paul fight, and I don't really remember much of it, to be honest. I don't care, right? But Dylan Dennis, a man not known for his hands, is going to go in there and get lit up by a guy who's been boxing nonstop for the last couple of years. That's what you're going to get. You're going to have him take yet another loss. He almost gets slapped up by Nate Diaz. He gets kicked out of the Adesanya after party at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> he got bicycle kicked by Nurmagomedov doing his Liu Kang impression. What more needs to happen for this man? He got choked out by the security guy at, at that party in Jersey. Like this dude, he's just like every single time. This is some sideshow Bob stepping on every fucking rake in the parking lot by now. You got to get your shit together. This guy needs to reevaluate and focus on life and not do anything that's got to do with this. I really think that being in the proximity of combat sports is probably not doing him any good to his well-being or to his mind or any of that. Because right now, man... Right now, every single thing he's been doing, it's like, how do you get caught in 4K like this every time? How does this keep happening? And I just I don't – I don't understand it. And now he's going to go out there and get styled on by a dude who's a, who's just basically a rank amateur at best on pay-per-view. Come on, man. The paycheck can't be that good. <laughs> this all – I blame Conor McGregor for this because remember, he's got that Conor link and everyone wants to be Conor. That's what it all boils down to. I would say that he keeps stepping on his own dick, but he gives off little dick energy. I doubt it's big enough for him to even... His, he might have long legs. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> twist them around like a pretzel. That's good for your rubber guard. See that right there? That's, that's physics. Just, that's what Uncle Victor brings to the table. I just can't stand him. I really I, wish he would just disappear. That's all. I mean, I mean if I he were wish... at least... If he at least had... Uh, a different like if he gave off a different vibe you know what i mean if he was like at least like well, okay listen he's he's going through it but he's at least a pretty decent dude but he's he's just he's constantly he doing off. things for the cameras he's yeah. constantly just you know being insufferable online this is not the way it should be he gives off loser in the most loserish way that's mm-hmm. that's the only thing i can say about him so what you got for us for our final news topic before we jump into some really smash and grab notable moments from combat sports? I was hoping that would be the last of it because good God, now I'm spent. Why are we doing this? But okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on from one person who is actually not good at doing things on social media to yet another person who's not good at doing things on social media because Kamza Chimaev is now talking about how much he wants to do. And look, I understand when you are someone who is viewed as not just a prodigy, but as potentially the future, and when you're on the tear that he's been on, you have the right, you have earned the distinction of being able to go out there and talk that big shit. Problem is, I don't really know if this shit really makes a whole lot of sense, right? So he's talking to Brett Akimoto, and he said, all right, before I was thinking if Kamaru Usman wins this fight, I will fight him next. Uh, 
and he lost as well, you know, sorry, but he lost. And I was thinking if Adesanya won, well, who's he going to fight? There's only me. And he lost as well. Now, you know, Pereira, Adesanya, they want to do a rematch in March. I don't know what they're going to do. So I said to Sean Shelby and Dana as well, I'm ready for Pereira in Brazil. Directly after that, March, if Colby wants to fight, I'll take my title, go down to 170 and fight Colby as well. He continued, Sean Shelby, I spoke with him. And he said first, yeah, let's go, brother. We'll do it. Then I don't know what's happening. He said, okay, brother, we'll go Kobe first. So maybe Kobe. For me, it doesn't matter. Kobe isn't talking about the fight or about me. <laughs> so you know how Kobe is doing. When he fights somebody, he doesn't stop talking. So I don't know. We will see. Uh, Hamza may not be much of a medical expert. And for that matter, neither am I. But I think it's because of the fact that well, Kobe just maybe hasn't had that much to say because, you know, when 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 your when your bowels are so loose that you end up in that level of dehydration, it's kind of hard to talk. Shit, I got to fight that guy. <laughs> you know, like you don't need an enema. Like, that's enough to empty a guy. But Pereira just fought a few weeks ago. And when is the UFC going back to Brazil? January, February. Right. So that's what they're aiming for sometime within not even two months from now. Does that really make a whole lot of sense with the war that Pereira just went through, the way that he went and trained for that fight, a long-ass camp, and then going through a pretty long fight that went into the championship rounds? And then he wants to fight Colby after that. Look, I respect the bravado. I applaud it. Good for him. This ain't it, man. I don't know. There's just different forms of trash talk that just don't sit right with me. And this is this is one of those things because it's unrealistic. You know this isn't going to happen. It's not raising the stock of anybody in the room, not even yours, because now you're just looking like a guy who's trying to pick fights with people, not when they're at their strongest. And people can take note of that. This is when people, you know, you, you end up having a bit of that pushback. Does this raise his profile in any way? Does this elevate him in any capacity? I don't feel like it does, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Steffi, what do you think of these call-outs, and does any of this happen within the time frame that he's anticipating it for it to happen? Well, first of all, he's made another call-out since, and apparently uh, it's been answered, but he called out Gilbert Burns. And it looks oh, like, that's right. It looks like that might happen at middleweight that Burns is willing to come up to middleweight to get that fight back. But as far as his call out, I hate it. I wouldn't mind if he had said, I'll take Covington in January and Pajeda in March makes a lot more sense. Timeline wise, as you very efficiently laid out, especially for Pereira, because you know, he just fought. So March makes a lot more sense for him, not January. Plus, I don't like the idea, what if he wins, which he very, very well could, because Pereira's, <laughs> he's not a wrestler, that's for goddamn sure. But uh, if he wins, he's not going to go back down and fight Covington, he's going to demand a champion. That's what he'll do, because he'll already be a champion, and then he's going to say, nah, I want a champion. <laughs> exactly. Then he's going to tie up two fucking belts, and I don't want that. All right, I'm so sick of this champ champ shit. Don't want it. Let Volkanovsky be the last one, please. This is so dumb. Just either make the Burns fight or make the Covington fight first. Shelby is clearly on the path to to making the Covington fight first. I think we don't hear anything out of Covington because he's probably holding out for a lot of money to fight that big beast. And as well, he should. I mean, exactly, Jesus Christ. Because if, if I'm going to get destroyed, dismantled, eviscerated, 
Mm-hmm. I want to get paid for it. And they're going to pay him a lot of money because he is going to get destroyed, dismantled, eviscerated. And that's the last gasp of relevancy in the welterweight division for Colby Covington. If he loses this one, where does he go? I don't I don't think he I think he knows, up, too. He just ends up being a high level gatekeeper because he's beating everyone that's not a champ. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to other notable moments from combat sports. I like this this segment. It's my favorite segment. First one, Hoylton Luderbach defeating Mark Trisberg by knockout in the second round at Glory World Series. And holy guacamole, the UG is the one that had this particular status up. And the knockout is so damn scary. Holy shit, it's scary. Yeah, uh, the funny thing was how Luderbach, first he's setting up the low kicks. I'm like, I wonder where he's going with this. And then you see that this guy is basically, uh, he's not sleeping while standing, but he was he was frozen in place yeah. while standing. And that that's, and man, he, he, just he broke that dude. falls over. The, the ref has to catch him. He's trying <laughs> to grab onto the rope. He couldn't catch it. Man, he looks bad. That's a scary, scary knockout. Not cute. All right, our next win, Kimrian Abasov and Christian Lee. And Christian Lee rallying for that comeback win. This was at one championship over the weekend. This was a gnarly comeback. I thought... First of all, I'm watching Christian Lee just take punishment, punishment, punishment. I'm thinking to myself, ref, what, when are you going to stop this? I'm kind of glad he didn't. And I'm ashamed of myself for saying that because that fight should have been stopped. <laughs> but it wasn't. And Christian Lee made the comeback of all comebacks. Victor, what do you think? I respect it. I think that Christian Lee is... Uh... Certainly a good talent. I thought that Abasov was going to have his number. And, I mean, for a second, he kind of did. But then Abasov looked like he emptied his tank there. Yeah. And uh, once Christian gave him that big bear hug takedown, which was not technical at all, but it worked because Abasov didn't have much in uh, resistance to offer. So, yep. Uh, after that, it was all one-way traffic. And we know usually how that tends to go. Good on Christian for just showing that kind of grit and determination I mean, you know, you kind of figure that he's had it in him. He's put on some really fun and wild performances and is one of the biggest assets that one has when it comes to their MMA uh, contingent. But, man, that was that was a bit of a scare there. I'd, I'd like to hope that he um, cleans up some of his defensive lapses and is able to uh, maybe not go through that kind of thing again. User Yod Sanan, that's Y-O-D-S-A-N-A-N, was the one that had that particular clip. Mm-hmm. Now, our final clip is my favorite one. Maritza Sanchez stopping D. Begley in Combate Global. Holy shit. This girl's body work, chef's kiss. The body work was what, did, what put her away, honestly. I mean, she was landing... But boy, Maritza Sanchez is somebody to watch. Now, user Palunaton put this clip out. That's P-E-L-U-N-A-T-O-N, Palunaton. Victor, what'd you think? Yeah, body shots. That's the only thing I kept thinking of, man. That just, like, you could feel it. You knew that that was just like, when, when she landed that second one, I'm like, yep. 
that's not good. And uh, good stoppage. You know, I'm glad that Komata is doing what they've done in terms of um, making uh, big strides with their scouting. I think they've done very well with that always and they're continuing to do that so i mean i think that's uh that's pretty amazing because you end up finding talents like this so let's see maybe she can make waves uh, for them and and stick around yeah indeed Uh, i like her i'm impressed with her i will definitely be looking for her at some point in the ufc because i feel like that's where she's coming Mm. all right so that's gonna that's gonna do it for us we are going to have a show this thursday so If you guys are sweating what you're going to do on Thursday after you're so full of turkey and ham, you now have a place to come because we will have a fresh brand new show on Thursday. But until then, do me a favor, follow this guy on Twitter at Vic M. Rodriguez. He's funny. He's cool. Super cool. He's also on Instagram. That's Victor Sinister Rodriguez on Instagram. Check him out for the duck, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, and, the, and the upcoming Thanksgiving dinner. And the upcoming Thanksgiving dinner. Follow Mookie on Twitter, at Mookie Alexander, and over at SB Nation's Field Goals website, where he is the managing editor. Follow both me and Victor on Bloody Elbow, where we work. And if you listen to the pre-recorded outro, you can hear all the platforms you can listen to this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow Presents podcasts. So until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>